Hello, my name is Anthony Hudson and welcome to my podcast, The Mastermind. Please join me as I bring interviews with some of the very best in the world of sports. From top football managers, club chairmen, sports psychologists and the leading experts in the world of analytics, team culture and leadership. introduce the next guest i'm really excited to launch a new segment of the masterminds podcast the purpose of this podcast and it has been since the very beginning is twofold firstly coach development which is a huge passion of mine another passion in my life is animals specifically animal welfare now coaching and managing has taken me all over the world i'm incredibly fortunate and grateful and in every single place i've lived and worked in i've wanted to do something wanted to open a shelter, donate, volunteer my time. But some of those things I've just always been too busy to do because of my job. So I've decided I'm not going to use that excuse anymore and I'm going to do something about it. Millions and millions of homeless dogs and cats are killed in American shelters each year. And we can make a difference. I've recently partnered with Poor Chicago, which is one of the few non-kill animal shelters in the country. Paws Chicago have built a national no-kill model that has reduced the number of pets killed in Chicago by 92% since they were founded. It's an incredible place and it's an incredible charity. So through education, through awareness, through sponsorship, through support, we can make a difference. Every single dollar that goes towards a no-kill model like this goes directly towards saving a life. So please share, like, comment on this podcast. And for more information about this initiative, please visit www.sportingmasterminds.com where you can find all the information. So please enjoy the podcast. Next up, someone who works at the very highest level in the game with well over a thousand games under his belt, something very few managers ever get the chance to do or even able to do. With many promotions to his name and huge success stories at several different clubs. He's worked in the biggest league in the world, the English Premier League. And on top of that, he's a very, very good man. Mr. Tony Pullis. Tony, good afternoon. It's a real privilege to get you on. Uh, before we before we start, I just want to, I, I really just want to say thank you, really. We, we many years ago, I came to Stoke and uh, you very kindly let me come in and spend the week and watch your training and preparation and you were playing against Chelsea Ancelotti was the manager and you opened the door I learned a lot it was a great week but I just remember one one time before training one day the, the team were off warming up and you called me over and you put all the bibs on the floor and you started talking to me talking through the shape of Chelsea and then you're set up against them and how you were gonna how you're gonna play against them and it was just fascinating. It was fascinating for me as a young coach to see it, but also incredibly inspiring for a you know, a Premier League manager to to really give their time to a young coach. So just wanna say thank you before we start, Tony. Brilliant. Yeah, no problems, Ant. So I wanna start with uh, taking over a new team. So a, a job's you know, on the horizon, you're thinking about taking a job. What are the things you're looking for, Tony, in terms of uh, whether you should or shouldn't take the job? Can I be successful in that job? What are you looking for? What are you looking 
to identify before you make a decision? Well, I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's obviously there's two, you get two opportunities. You, <clears throat> you get at the end of the season or you get while the season's, um, you know, going on and, and you know, the, the, the team invariably have had a, a poor start or whatever and you take over um, halfway through or a third of, of the way through. Um, being a football man and having been in football for a long time in England, I, I know most of the squads, most of the players. If I don't know things, if I don't know uh, as in-depth as, as I'd want, then, you know, I'll ring people up who've been at the club. I'll ring people up who I know have been associated with the club. And even, you know, there might be, you know, uh, there has been an occasion where a manager left and I joined and took his place. And actually rang him up and spoke to him about the, the, the whole setup. So the more work you can do, Anthony, the more, you know, the more knowledge you can get before you start, obviously places you in a better position um, to attack, um, you know, the job and, and, and to do it the way you want to do it. And, and that work you're doing before, what, what exactly are you looking for, Tony? Well, people talk about philosophies and talk about, you know, having a, um, a certain style and a certain way of doing things and everything else. I think what you've got to do is actually find out what the strengths of the team are. I've, I've been in to, to different clubs who have been in real, real poor situations. And my biggest aim is to be is to find out what um, what system is best for the players. Maybe not a system that suits me from the start but a system that suits the players because in the end they win um, irrespective of what you do they win your games and I think most probably if you were saying what, what's the most important thing going in I would say to try and find out really what the strengths of the team are what the weaknesses are and then try and build a structure around that now you need to get results if you're going to stay in a job especially in the premiership you're, you need to get results and you need to get results quickly to give you a base to build on and, um, you know, I've taken over jobs in October and then at Christmas time. Um, and they've, they've been difficult jobs. And I, I think I've coped because I've had that in my mind, Anthony, that, that I've needed to know the strengths, get the strengths um, uh, out of the players as, as quickly as possible. Um, and, then, and then work it into a system, a team system that suits getting results might not be pretty at times but it will get results and that's what you need then to build on tony it seems certainly from the outside looking in that when it, whenever you take over a team you have such a such a big impact on the club and and why is that what why why do you have such a big impact is it because of your approach is it because you you uh, set your stall out from day 1 you know what why is that well i don't i don't i, I think most I think over, over a long time, Anthony, you, you get a reputation and you get, um, you know, you get uh, stigmatised, I think. I think uh, mostly with um, uh, what people perceive rather than what you are. I just go in and I ask the players to be honest, um, honest with themselves, on, honest with me, honest with their teammates. And I try and, com and, and put together a, a family atmosphere in, in, into the football club. Um, and a family atmosphere where you look at the structure, you ask for honesty, trust and belief. You know, the, the, the belief in what system I decide I think is best for the team and for the group. 
you know the honest the honesty to, for them to really really work together and, and not not shirk any responsibilities on the training ground or on match days and that trust in one another and they need that trust they need to be able to understand that you know if they fall over there's going to be six or seven players behind them helping them to to get back on their feet not trampling over them tony so you go into a club and what what about the scenario where you, you're able to take maybe one or two staff members uh, and, of, and of course, the beginning of your job, you've got to survive, you've got to get results. What about if you have staff that you've inherited that may not be suited to how you work, may not be the staff that you really want? Um, how do you work your way through that? How do you manage that situation? Well, I've, I've always been lucky enough, Anthony, to, to take what, at least one person with me, and that's been David Kemp. And Kempy um, and Jerry Francis um, are two older people than me. They've been in the game a little bit longer than me. They've got great experience. Uh, they're people who, um, you know, Jerry was a top manager at Tottenham for a while, but his management days are over. Uh, Kemp, he's had a little pop at being a manager, didn't really, really like it, enjoys the assistant manager's job more. Um, two people who I can rely on to be not only trustworthy, um, but also honest in their in their opinions of what I'm doing and um, what I'm trying to achieve, and you know it, it's just absolutely vital that you have one or two people. I've always preferred older people with me, um, at least one or two older people with me who've got that experience, more experience maybe than the more I had myself at, at, at that given time, who will be honest and and won't worry about upsetting me or, or saying the wrong things and. I've always actually been stimulated by um, by good and honest criticism, constructive criticism. Sorry, Tom. Tony, you've managed well over eleven hundred games, which is an un unbelievable achievement for for a manager nowadays. There's there's very few that have achieved that sort of milestone. Uh, it shows a huge amount of quality of work continually, a huge amount of resilience. And then, of course, the the game has changed so much over the years from when you first started. And I actually recently watched the Gillingham documentary when you were back managing Gillingham. But what what have you seen, since, you know, over your time? What what have been the changes from when you first started to now? Because you've really had to evolve it over time. Oh, there's massive changes, Anthony, in 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 lots of ways, and and you know, the, the society has changed. Um, full stop. You know, there's there's been a remarkable change in society, and obviously the technology, with the internet now, and and you know, every everything is you know a switch of a button. Um, people expect things to happen quickly, and and whereas years years and years ago, when I started management at Bournemouth, um, you know, I was told then that you know you needed three years, you needed a year to get into the football club to look at the football club you need the second year to be able to change things the way you'd want them to be changed and you need the third year then to be successful and if you weren't successful then you should expect to sack today if you ain't successful after three months Anthony then you know you're looking over your shoulder the pressure from uh, from the media um, like I say the social networks and everything else um, is just extraordinary. So it's become more difficult for managers. You have to uh, be strong enough. 
Um, not to take any notice of it. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I've done this for a long, long time. I'm not a great reader of um, the papers. I'm not a great reader of, well, I'm not on the internet. Don't know how to use it. Don't want to know how to use it. Leave that for the younger element. So all the outside influences, Anthony, I just avoid. If I can't affect anything, I don't worry about it. The only thing I worry about is things that, that I can affect. And if I'm managing a football club, um, the biggest uh, thing is affecting the team. They're my team. I'm the manager. They're my team. They go out and represent me. And also, you have to manage upwards, and you have to affect, you know, the directors and the, the you know, the chairman and the, the people around the football club who may be listening and looking in and and and, and taking notice of um, what people are saying on the uh, on the websites and all. And Tony, nowadays, a lot of people use the phrase "modern day player." What, in in your view, how would you describe a modern day player? Well, it, it, you, obviously you've got, I've been very, very fortunate, Anthony, that I've, I've managed every, in every league in England um, and actually been promoted out of every league as well. So I've been very, very fortunate to have worked at the lowest level of professional football in the, the old fourth division that was, obviously up to the premiership. The biggest change, obviously, is, is, is well, there's the biggest change. There's massive changes in every, every um every bit of a football club financially at the top level now the money that the players earn the financial rewards are just extraordinary um and it makes it more difficult i think for for managers to you know to squeeze everything out of players um because players can get very very comfortable very very quickly and i've always had um a desire to to sign players with good characters People who have, uh, you know, have got that um, honesty um, about them, and people who are prepared to put themselves, you know, uh, you know, at risk for other people. Um, and I think the more characters you've got, good characters you've got in the dressing room, the more good people you've got in the dressing room, the more chance you've got, Anthony, of being successful. Um, and you know, I've I've always based a lot on um, having good characters around. Having a family, you know, building a football club like a family. Um, so players enjoy coming in to work. They enjoy the people they're working with. They enjoy their company, whether it be on the pitch or off the pitch. And I've always tried to encourage that. And when it comes to communication, how do you know what certain players need? You know, a lot of people talk very flippantly about, you know, you've got to deal with this player this way. You've got to speak to him like this way. How do you personally uh, assess players and, and understand wh what each player needs in relation to how you communicate and have a relationship with a player? Well, I think experience there uh, comes in. I'll, get, I'll give you a good example. I, I think experience comes in um, to play a lot with that. But I, the, the last job I had was at Middlesbrough and obviously um, going to Middlesbrough and dropping down back into the championship. I knew Steve Gibson, the chairman there, very well. Who's a wonderful fella, and and all all the money is that's put into to the borough is Steve and his partner, um, and you know that they're, they're they're good people. They spent a hell of a lot of money. Um, the, the six months before I joined the football club, on a lot of players. One of those players was a dama Triori, and I'd watched Triori when I was um, a manager at West Brom. He, he'd actually been signed by Aston Villa. 
Uh, didn't play many games for Villa, but I watched him in a reserve game and just thought he was, you know, the talent that boy had in, in just spells was, was just extraordinary. Anyway, I went to Borough and he wasn't in the team. He wasn't part of the team. Um, got to speak to him, liked him, thought he was really, really a lovely, lovely boy. Um, he was very, very um, not mismanaged, but... Uh, not understood um, and, and I made him my best friend Anthony I, I used to get him to make me cups of tea bring him in my office sit down we talk he's a Spanish lad he's come from a, a background where he's big big family um, and put belief in him he needed belief he didn't um, I think he'd been kicked enough um, and what he needed was a cuddle and what he needed was someone that he could trust someone that he could really hold firm when things weren't going well on the pitch. Um, and I brought all that together and we actually built, he felt, and I think the team felt, and everybody at that football club for those six months felt that the team was built really around Adama and the ability he had. And the way he grew um, into what what was a very, very timid, mild, it's like having, you know, you go, you go and pick rescue dogs up and, you know, they've been smacked around and they're timid and they duck and they cower. Um, to see Adama come out of himself, Anthony, um, and express himself in games. And, and, and there'd be times where I'd bring him, I'd always have him obviously on my side, one, one half of the game. But there'd be times where we'd start the second half, he'd be on the other side of the pitch and he'd drift out the games or he'd do something wrong. And I'd bring him back over to my side and I'd just encourage him and talk to him. And, and in the end, Anthony, he, he, was, well, he was the best player in the, in the championship. And that was all down to just spotting. He had the talent. He was a great lad. He wanted to be a footballer, but he was very, very unsure of himself. And just giving, giving him that confidence and giving him that self-assurance, um, he just blossomed. And um, yeah, he, he he was absolutely fantastic for us. And, and then and you get you'll get other players, Anthony, who you know have got that. Um, they're overconfident, uh, overzealous, uh, and and you know that they, they need sometimes you know to be brought down to earth. Um, and if if they're big players, if they think they're big players in the dressing room. Then there's been lots of occasions where I've earmarked them very, very early on. And then my first opportunity, my first chance, I'd really go after them and go after them big time. Um, just to, to make sure everybody else in the dressing room knew who was in charge and that everybody would be playing to my tune and nobody else's tune. That's a great example about Traore. And you, you mentioned there about it, experience is important. Are you saying... Would you have managed him the same way when you was a younger manager? Well, no, I was, I was, Anthony. You get, you need experience, and and uh, you need you need to believe in your own self as well, and your own self ability and everything else. And over the years, you build up. Uh, you know, I had you know, Matthew Etherington at, at Stoke, a wide player, and I, you know, I worked with Russell Beardsmore, Michael Connor, but you know, I worked with some really, really good wide players in my time. And Triori has, has, has got remarkable ability. You know, the, 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 no one talks about his balance. Never mind his pace and his power. And yes, 
you know, technically at times, Anthony, he, he, you know, his crossing was poor. He, he wouldn't pick people out. He'd get in at the first man. But by just working with him and talking to him and showing him stuff, you know, he gradually, because he was, he was such a top, top lad and wanted to learn, he just got better. With other with other players, like I say, over the years, I've learned that, you know, that there are different characters, different types, um, and those different characters and different types not, and need to be, you know, cuddled or kicked at times. And um, if it's for the benefit of the team, then, uh, you know, it has to be done. And um, people say, you know, you can't do it as much today. I think you can, but you have to do it in a different way than what you did years ago. Years ago, you could give them a right telling off and a right bollocking. Today, you, you have to do it differently, but you can still put them in their place. And what about to the team, Tony? You know, there's there's managers during the week that speak very often, every day, update them on everything that's going on. And there's some man managers that talk very little to the team, uh, just about tactics, certain moments. What's your what's your way with communicating to the team as a whole? Well, technology has played a massive part, you know, over the years, um, and it's got stronger and stronger and stronger. So, you know, uh, and we we work. And I've always worked on my own system, um, my own beliefs, and, and making sure that my, every player in my team knows exactly what they do, what they're going to do, and what's needed from them um, when they go out on that pack, um, both individually and collectively. So first and foremost, that that is set, that's set in stone. And I think you've seen me work, Anthony. So you know, I'd spend ages and ages working on the shape of the team um, and players in that shape. Um, knowing what they'd have to do in possession and out of possession, um, so that so that that that's very very important. I think analysing the opposition, especially at the top level, is, is vital. Um, you know, you're playing against top top teams with top players, and you have to show that you know you have to show your players, especially if they're a level just a, you know a little, a little bit below, below the sand line. You have to show them what they you know what they uh, what they're going to confront on the Saturday what's needed from them, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And again, collectively, not individually, but collectively, you can bring all that together. So you could split the, the back four up the midfield and the forwards um, into different little groups and work during the week in the, in the video room with uh, video analysis, talk about what, uh, what we want and then take them out on the park and work on it. And then Saturday, Anthony, when they cross the line, you just cross your fingers. You know, your job's done. You just hope and pray that they take it forward. And Tony, with it being a long season, are you mindful of the players hearing the same voice over and over? And and, and if so, do, do, you, do you do anything to mix it up? Do you get anyone else to come in and speak? Yeah, I think years ago, Anthony, I would do, you know, when I was at Gillingham, those four years out of Gillingham, which were very successful, those four years, it was, it, it was generally me who did everything. Um, you know, the small-sided games, crossing and finishing, and then I'd do the shape and this, that and the other. But I think, as you've said, you know, people people are different today. They, they, they want to hear a different voice. They want to do something different. They want to be entertained. Um, and I've understood that, that um, you can't keep doing shape and pattern day after day after day. They need to be stimulated. So I've always brought in a couple of young coaches. You know, I had um, Mark O'Connor, A.D. Pennock. Um, you know, people people of that ilk, you know, Woodgate, I brought uh, Jonathan in, um, you know, Ben Garner when I was at Palace, 
coaches that have come in, young coaches, who have got good drills, um, good passing drills, good keep ball drills, um, entertaining. I call them entertaining coaches. You know, they'll entertain the players and keep the players fresh and keep them bubbly. Um, and we always work at a good tempo, Anthony, irrespective of whether it's a crossing and finishing session, whether it's a keep ball session. The important thing is that the players, and I only work for an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes at the most, but that, that time is spent um, working at a, a real, real good tempo. And, and if they drop the tempo, then, you know, I, I, I'm not too pleased. I like them to really, really train the way they're going to play. And do you have any clear non-negotiables about how you train, how you work? Well, as I've said, I think the players, once, once the, 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 the prehab, you know, they do prehab for 20 minutes, 25 minutes in the gym before they do their warm-up then they're out they do their warm-up with a fitness coach um and i leave all that obviously to the the, the fitness people but once they join then the football side of it um right from the start you know i think that's my line you know as soon as they come into us it's now it's game time and they have to be on it now they're going to make mistakes they're going to you know um make bad decisions they're going to pass balls to different people they shouldn't do and they, they'll do this and they'll do that but the tempo of the training is is very very important i think it's small you know i'll, I'll do five minutes of keep ball or six or seven minutes of keep ball then i'll move it on to a crossing and finishing session i'll move it on to a closing down session um and and you know i'll move it quickly through the gears by the time they come to me for some shaping um you know whether it's us in possession or us closing down by the time by the time they come to me you're hoping that they, you know, they're, they're at full tilt, um, and you know that session then, 11 v 11, is is really match pace, and they get a little bit, I think, frustrated at times because I do stop it a bit, um, but I still expect them to put it in, Anthony. And and so Tony, you got you're going through the work the, the week. Uh, you 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 you've got an idea of the team. When do you when do you announce the team? And do you? <laughs> Or is it changes? Yeah, uh... I'm. I'm. Yeah, I, I. 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 I wouldn't give a damn, Anthony, um, if I felt it was right to work with a team from Monday to get it ready for Saturday. I would pick that team Monday, and if I'm leaving one or two players out, I would make sure I'd speak to those players. I've always been one of them that if I've left players out for whatever reason. I always give them an explanation or I always give them the opportunity and the chance to uh, to come and see me and speak to me um, because I want that togetherness and I want that openness and I want that family um, feeling. Yeah, the players are disciplined. You know, I've had, I've had loads and loads of players in my time, absolutely devastated that they've been left out. And I understand that and I respect it. Um, but, you know, it's about that team on a Saturday going out and winning and sometimes you've got to upset people, Anthony, to to get what you want, um, to get the result that you want for that football club. Okay, so you, you've prepared the team, you've picked the team and now you're coming to game day. What What's important to you on the day of the game, leading up to the game? What, you, what are you looking for? What are you trying to create? What's important to you prior to the game starting? Yeah, from, from you know, Thursday to to um, Friday that there'll be a lot of talk about us in possession and out of possession. Um, game day, I always get to the ground at least three or four hours before kickoff. 
Um, I've got a board. Oh, I've always had a board that I'll write set plays down, go through set plays. You know, that I've, I've, I've always been a, a great believer of man for man marking. Um, so I get that sorted out in my own mind. So I have that almost prepared before the, their team comes into us. Um, and then, you know, it's it's just the main points. I'll have three or four pages, the main points. Um, and I'll say three or four pages. The writing's quite big, mind. There'll be two or three points on each page. That I expect for us in possession and out of possession. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll just clear everything so my mind is real, really fresh. Um, I'll speak to the players hour and a quarter, hour and a half before the game, tell them, you know, what... Uh, what it what is expected gym up a little bit and then i leave them to themselves then i don't uh i've always been pretty superstitious don't like going out and watching them warm up i always let the coaches and the um uh, the medical staff do that and then i wait for them to come in around about quarter two and uh, we work from there you know the one thing i've tried to change in the last couple of years is the time spent on warm-ups you know, I'm a, I'm, I've always been um, very suspicious of long warm-ups, and um, you know, I've got uh, I've got um, a little bit of evidence that I've spent I spent uh, a bit of time at West Brom um, finding out how much players lose during warm-ups, how much they you know when they come in a quarter of an hour to go, how much then you know that warm-up that they've just spent half an hour doing. How much does that really count? Are they warm? Are they still warm by the time kickoff starts, or have they lost, you know, that, uh, you know, that that um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Anthony? Um, flexibility and looseness and 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 energy to get to go straight away. So I've done a, a little bit of a study on that myself. So I try and I try and cut, and I have done over the past, I think. Four or five years, cut that, cut down the warm downs um, to as little as possible, and I found that to be good. And and it's interesting if if people are out there, coaches are out there, if they want to, you know, study anything, have a look at their warm ups and have a look, get their medical people and their scientific people to see how much energy their players um, use before kickoff, um, how much temperature their bodies drop in that 10 minutes before they go back out or quarter of an hour before they go back out and ask themselves, you know, uh, have they wasted X amount of energy on needless time on the pitch before the game? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to have a look into that as well. That's really interesting. <laughs> Half-times. Half so half-time comes... What what are you what are you looking to get across? I, I know everyone's different. How do you formulate your halftime talk? Uh, do you do well? You if, start- if I'm not if I'm not happy with the team, if I'm not happy with the team, Anthony, then they get they get they get it collectively, um, and then I'll go into individual points, and it, it'll be two or three points. There'll be no more than that. I won't be sat there for fifteen minutes going through different things. Um, if I'm not happy, I'll know what I'm not happy about. If I don't think certain people are doing it, then or, or certain people are, are, are pulling what I would say their best out of what they can achieve themselves, they get told. Um, but you know, there might be tactical things that you have to change. And there's been situations where I've done that. Um, yeah, on many of occasions, a lot, lot of times 
Anthony, it works, and a lot of times it doesn't work. But I will only only nail down maybe two or three things at the most. And those two or three things, is that one in possession, one out of possession, transition, or, or is it just whatever you see uh, from the game, whatever the game presents itself, or is there a structure to it? Well, I'll, yeah, I'll have, um, I'll have my sports analyst upstairs, and I always have Jerry Francis upstairs as well. And, uh, you know, they so they come down. They're in the dressing room before I get there, um, and they'll they'll if they have any real real issues, um, they'll pull me aside first, and they'll go into that. There's been times where I've just took, like had to get something off my chest. I've done that, and then gone in and had a chat with them, and then come back out and added maybe one or two things um, to what I was going to say. Um, but it's all as constructive, you know. Like I say, if I want to blow some cobwebs off one or two, then you do that. Um, but you try and be Anthony as constructive as, and as positive as you possibly can. Yeah. And if someone gets told off before he goes out, you'll get a tap on the back. I like that. I like that last part. Um, I want to finish on leadership, Tony. How would you describe what a leader is? Well, I think a, lead, a, lead, a leader has to be very, very open-minded in, in respect of wanting to learn. I think you've got to learn. You've got to be open-minded to learn and to listen and to, to pick up new, new points, new things. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big reader of history. I love reading about um, historic events and leaders. Um, I, lo- I like to um, see what other people are doing in other sports, I listen to that, watch it analyze it i also think that leaders if you're going to lead you've you've certainly got to lay down the rules and you've got to stand and or you stand and fall by those rules and those rules you've got to set and they've got to be high standards i don't think you can let anybody drop under those standards i think if they do um then you have to nail them if you don't nail them i think gradually things will drop people will take advantage of uh, of the situation so really good leaders for me are open minded with good with good good qualities in respect of what they expect and what it takes to win. And Anthony, if you don't win games, you don't last very long in this game. And on a on an average week in a job as a manager, do you have any daily disciplines or routines that you do that, that help you in your well being and your your ability to sharp every day and, and, and be able to perform? Is there anything that you do? No, I'm, not, I'm, I'm up. I'm a, a very early riser. So I go to the gym about six o'clock. Um, I'll spend an hour and a half in the gym. You know, everybody that has worked with me will tell you that I'm the first one there. Um, I'll spend an hour and a half. I get, uh, I get myself sorted out. Otherwise, I don't find I have the time during the day. And then I'll have a breakfast and then I usually have a, a meeting around about, we train about 10.30, I'll have a meeting around about 9.30 to go through everything that I've asked the coaching staff to do that day. Um, we'll discuss with a doctor, the, the club doctor will always come in and let me know uh, medically how the players are, physically how they are. I'll get an opinion on him, how, how, how they were from the following day, If especially if we've had a real tough couple of sessions I want his input um, and I control it that way Anthony and, and I've always done that I've always been a, a person who has been very very well structured in what I do um, I'm not a great office man I much prefer to be outside I can't stand being in an office or a room with four in four walls for too long 
I've got to be outside. Um, I find I find it refreshing being outside, and I've I've been like that, Anthony, since I was a young boy. You know, I've never I've always been a little bit claustrophobic in in spending time in rooms. So you know, getting out on that football pitch, or getting in the gym, or going for a run early morning, or even a cycle. Sometimes getting nice and early, but in summer mornings, take the bike out and cycle for an hour and twenty minutes. Um, you know that that has always put me in good stead. And Tony, very last question. I just want to talk about uh, leaving Middlesbrough. Obviously, uh, you get the sack, and it's a tough experience. Um, I've had it recently. What, what can you talk us through the process about what happened when you left Middlesbrough and the aftermath? What's happened since then? What you're doing now? Yeah, what I'd done at Middlesbrough was that I'd agreed 18 months with Steve Gibson, who's who's been a good friend. And, and someone I respect immensely over over um, a long period of time in football. And like I just said, he, they spent, uh, Middlesbrough spent a hell of a lot of money on a hell of a lot of players to get promoted first time round. When I joined the club at Christmas, I think they were in 10th position in the league. And they, they we got in the playoffs. We're unfortunate not, not to, to, you know, we, we, we got knocked out in the semi-finals on a corner kick, actually, which is very frustrating. But... Um, and then the following year, we sold a lot of players to um, readdress the financial issues that the football club were in. And we, we had to do that. Um, at the end of the season, I went out and had a, 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 a meeting with Steve in London. We had a drink. Um, and, and that was me. I was It was going to be 18 months, Anthony, and nothing. I wasn't going to stay any longer. That was my time at Middlesbrough. You know, I lived down on the south coast and Middlesbrough's you know, it's quite a way away from um, from family and everything. But it was all done amicably. Um, we've met up a couple of times since. We've got a couple of drinks. There was no, there's no bad feeling uh, in any way, shape or form from me to the football club or to Steve. And I know there's not, well, I, you know, I went to his wedding last year, Anthony. So, um, yeah, it was a job that I was disappointed with that we never got in the playoffs second, second, uh, in the second year. Um, because we were good enough to get in the playoffs. I was a little bit disappointed, but goal scoring just uh, eluded us. I think we had the either the best or the second best defensive record in the league. Um, but you know, and we had some named forwards who just never scored enough goals. Um, but the, you know, there, there's been times in my career, Anthony, and you've experienced it, where you get the sack and you, you know, the the first one at Bournemouth, I was absolutely devastated. You know, it. Uh, it knocked, it knocked me for six. But then I had a phone call from, you know, the great Jim Smith, unfortunately, he's passed away. And Jimmy rang me up, and I didn't know Jim that well, and he, he rang me up and he said, Tony, Jimmy, uh, I said, hello, Jim. And I was expecting a little bit of a cuddle and this, that, and the other. And he says, son, you're not a manager until you get sacked three times. And he just put the phone down. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's the way it was then anthony there was no um you know no crying in your own tears mate it was uh, like you know like you're sacked yeah. get up you've fallen off your bike get up on it again you'll fall off again and again and again but you've got to keep getting up on it yeah that's good i like that well listen tony i i just want to say thank you for your your openness and your honesty there that that's that was really really good thank you no problems anthony and i wish you all the best for the future thanks very much 